Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Galatians 5, we've got to move because we've got a lot of material. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. That little word, but, in other words, if it's true that you are a believer, then you should be, by default, led by the Spirit. In that verse right before, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that ye would. But, see that? If you are led by the Spirit, ye are not under the law. What's the law? Works. What's the law? Flesh are doing works under the power of your own flesh. What does that bring you? Death. That bring you nothing. If you're led by the spirit, then by default, you won't do the things that the flesh produces. Now. Now. Well, before we get to verse 19. Um, if you're led by the spirit, by default, you're not under what? The law. You got to get that. You got to get it. You're not under the law. If you are under the law, what is it impossible for the Holy Spirit to do? Lead you. It's completely impossible if you're under the law. That's why you've got to be made free from being under the law so that you can be led by the spirit. Are you saved? You've got a choice. We talked about this before. We won't go through it again. We want you to be led by the Spirit. Now, verse 16. Here's the best biblical counsel you can get, and it won't even, you don't have to pay for it. You don't have to sit in some man's office for an hour. This is the best biblical counseling that you'll get right here. Now, kids, pay attention. This, this will be lifelong learning right here. Verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So there it is. Tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. Tap into the counsel of the Holy Spirit. And there's your life. You won't make a mess of your life if you tap into and get counsel from the Holy Spirit. Well, I want to do something. Yeah, I know you do. Your flesh wants to do something. Your flesh wants to do something. Your flesh wants something. Your flesh desires something. If the Holy Spirit isn't in it and you're not led by the Holy Spirit, it's not going to turn out as well as it should have. <laughs> You've got to be led by the Spirit. You must be led by the Spirit. Who wrote Galatians? Paul or the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit inspired Paul, the Holy Spirit led Paul to write Galatians. We believe the Bible. We don't believe Paul. We believe the Holy Spirit that inspired Paul. And then we can read what Paul says and know that it's good because our faith and trust isn't in Paul. Our faith and trust is in that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write down these words. And then we can go up. But he was led by the Spirit. That's the author of the book. Paul, 
he does this very, very nicely. Um, by the way, the lust of the flesh and then under the law, those two terms, they coexist very, very nicely. They're one in the same. And Paul kind of has this way. He just kind of hooks you and he brings these Galatians back into to get a better picture of this of this law. And that's what he's doing right here. Look at look at it in verse number uh, 19. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, the slaviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatreds, various emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I told you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. It's going to be a little bit of a negative message this morning. So fasten your seatbelts. The flesh, it just loves you. <laughs> your flesh is your sin nature, and is it is 100% always seeking sinful, desirous lusts. That is what your flesh does. You say, I'm saved. I know you are. Your soul is. Your flesh is not. It will always desire something wrong and twisted and unrighteous. But if you've been set free, if you've been born again, if you're a new creature, you have the spirit. You're not under the law. You're not under the flesh control. If you got to go back and listen to the message, how you allow the spirit to influence your mind because the Holy Spirit will never influence your flesh in your flesh dwelt no good thing. Your flesh is as grass. The Holy Spirit influences your mind. So that you make a decision based on being led by the spirit. We talked about this. Go back and listen to that sermon. You might, people's minds are just messed up. <clears throat> you got a new life. You have a new influence. You know what the flesh produces? Look at verse 19. Now the works of the flesh. And that's what the flesh produces, works. Look at verse number 22. It doesn't say, but the work of the spirit. It says, but the fruit of the spirit. You know what the spirit produces? Fruit. That's pretty cool. That's pretty good contrast there. You've got the works of the flesh. You work, you labor, you put forth all this human effort. And it merits you not. But then the fruit of the spirit. The inward life. Of the Holy Spirit indwelling in you. Produces out from that inward life. It produces fruits. Isn't that a beautiful contrast? One is works. One is fruit. You, I want to produce good fruit. A lot of the lusts of the flesh are not seen. Look what it says. Let's go through some of these. And start with. Uh, let's start with hatred in verse number 20. You know, the Bible says, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. I'm tired of people saying, can I give you some good news about Jesus Christ? And you get to talk to them and they say, I'm a good person. I ain't never killed nobody. Come on, I'm a good guy. Except when you ask that person, have you ever hated somebody? 
teenagers. None of us adults have ever said to our parents growing up, oh, I hate you. God says you're a murderer. I'm not saying it. God's saying it. We've all been there in one way, shape, form, or the other. Variances. Look at variances. It's a spirit of disagreement. It's always a state of opposition. A variance is a state of enmity. Uh, there's an old saying that says, just because somebody is in your circle, that don't mean they're in your corner. <laughs> okay? They've always got this state of variance. Look at emulation. What is emulations? It's a spirit of rivalry. It's this unhinged desire for superiority. That's, a, that's an emulation. Uh, people, they so desire carnal favor and carnal recognition that it just overtakes them. They're always striving to outdo somebody. They're always trying to over-equal somebody. And it's this state of emulations and rivalry. Then the next one is wrath. The Bible says in Job 36, but the hypocrites in heart heap up wrath. Where do they heap it up? In their hearts. That's the spirit of a hypocrite. Their heart is heaped up with wrath. These heated explosions, they don't just happen. It's just combustion of hatred and wrath that just builds up in somebody. It builds up in a spouse. It builds up in a brother, sister. It builds up in a friendship. It builds up in a church family. It builds up in a neighborhood. It builds up in a country. Boom! And then it just outpours. You know where it starts? We're going to do all these social programs and change America. No, you are not. That man or that woman needs to hear the saving power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And their heart needs to be changed. And then we'll start to see some change in our country. Our nation is a Christian nation. Really look around. There's Christians in it. And I'm thankful that God has his hand of freedom that we still have, that we see being taken away. Everybody knows where we're at and where we're headed. It's no secret. Heart. It's the heart. If I get to run into one of these, uh, I'm preaching, so I need to. Okay, get back in pastor mode. All right. I, I, if I'm talking to one of these uh, non-conservative people, you know what I'm going to talk to them about? Jesus Christ and how they can have their sins forgiven. Because other than that, it's just going to be a ping-ponging back and forth of, well, you, I don't think this program is good. I don't think that program is good. They're never going to agree. Ever. Ever. They've got to be born again. And when that happens, then they're truly saved. Then fruit will bear itself. Strife is this contention and anger for superiority. It could be a physical contest or an intellectual contest to be superior. superior. And it's fueled by enmity and opposition. Seditions, that's people that like to cause a commotion. This commotion can be in con someone's conduct or someone's words. It's some ruffians that want to rile up the town and, and cause some problems. Those are seditions. It's 
words that people use to incite a group of people to rebel against authority. I mean, there's a rabbit trail I can just go down, but I'm going to stay in the woods where I don't get too far off track. Um, but that's people that just like to cause a commotion. Those are seditions. It comes from a heart that's led by the works of the flesh. And then heresies. A heresy is an error in truth. And I would submit to you this morning, a her heresy is not the same as a heretic. Martin Luther was deemed an outlaw and a heretic. Well, he was right preaching against the heresies. You can't sell indulgences. You can't sell uh, forgiveness of sins. You're not saved by works. He was deemed a heretic. Why? Because he opposed the group thought. And they deemed him as a heretic. But the group that deemed him as a heretic were the ones preaching the heresies. It's error in truth. Error in truth. Error in truth. The heresy. Envy. Oh boy. Envy. It's this, this feeling of uneasiness. This feeling of discontentment with what you have. Someone else excels in something or someone else gets to enjoy something. There it is. Anybody ever struggle with envy? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're in the guns and you go over your friend's house and he's got a basement full of guns. Oh, boy. I got to go buy some more guns. Yeah, I'm thinking of my friend right now. I go there. And, and every time, same, same feeling. Boy, oh, boy. Boy, oh, boy. Somebody has a tractor, your neighbor, you go over there. Oh, man, that grass smells so nice. How many horsepower? And there it goes. You don't really care about the horsepower. You're trying to make sure you get 45 horsepower if he's got 40 horsepower. It's got to be green. It's got to be green, amen. Yeah, it, it's, it's a spirit of envy. I'm not saying don't do better. I'm not saying try to not excel in life. What I'm saying is... It is okay to be okay with somebody else having something that you don't have. Can we get an amen from the front uh, choir here? <laughs> okay, all right, all right. It is okay if your friend has this doll and you don't. It is okay if your friend has this truck and you don't. You don't have to go home and say, Mom, I got to have this. No, you don't have to have it. Your friend has it, and you don't have it, but that's not fair. You're right. Life isn't fair. Get used to it. You're not entitled. I mean, is that are we, are we okay? Are we all right? Yeah. You don't have to have what everybody else has. Be thankful that you got rice and beans to eat. Amen. Yeah. You don't have to have meat every time. Okay? You don't have to have meat every time. Be thankful that you got rice and beans to eat. Because that's some all kids have to eat. And stop acting like a McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King, Pizza Hut, spoiled American brat. Which we are turned into. Eat the rice and beans and be quiet. And thank God that you have food to eat. 
instead of always envying somebody else. Murders. Matthew 15, 19 says, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. Murders. Adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemy. Where does this murder start? It starts in the heart. These are all works of the flesh. And they fall under the category. What we talked about are these dominating and controlling lusts. I would submit to everyone this morning, you cannot sustain a human relationship like that. A woman cannot be married to a man that is controlled by those things. A man cannot be married to a woman who is controlled by those things. A family cannot live together that is controlled by those things. A church can't function. A business can't function. A neighborhood can't function if it lives by those things. So let me ask you an obvious question. If we can all to agree, if we all can agree to that, then how in the world can you have a relationship with your heavenly father when you're controlled by these? Answer, you won't have a real relationship. It'll be maybe you're saved, but you're so controlled by the lust of the flesh that nobody knows it. And you have a huge line of broken fellowship between you and the Lord. It happens with husbands and wives all the time. Husbands saved, wives saved. They've been saved for two decades. But there's this wall of broken relationship. Are they still married? Yes. Do they like each other? No. <laughs> happens all the time. You start getting led by the spirit. Guess how thing that thing, guess how quick that thing gets fixed. Pretty fast. If wife starts living under the control of the spirit, husband starts living under the control of the spirit like they ought to. Yeah, but my, I know. Believe me, I know. Everybody has an excuse on why their situation is different. And I'm not putting forth that there's some extreme situations that certainly are different. Believe me, I understand that too. We need to be led by the spirit. Idolatry. Look at the verse, first word in verse number 20. Idolatry. Putting something that you can see in front of or more important than the God that you cannot see. That's idolatry. What is it? Is it something that you've got? Is it something in your heart? The Bible says flee idolatry. A matter of fact, Paul gets to Athens and he looks around and he says, man. The whole place is given over to idolatry. Who wants to bring their family to Athens and start a church? Maybe that's why Paul was single. I don't know. But you imagine just looking around. Everything's wicked. Colossians 3, 5. The Bible says, why don't we turn there? The Old Testament says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 5, the Bible says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, 
which is idolatry. If there's one thing that we have a trouble with, especially here in America, is idols. You don't believe me? Why are some of the most popular shows American Idol? Why are the all the sports, why do they have sports heroes and sports stars? They want to worship somebody that they can see and that they want to be like, but it ain't God. Yeah. It's not God. Young people, pay attention. You are going to see something or someone, and in your heart, you're going to say, I want to be like that. You don't believe me? I grew up in the 80s. And you know who started playing basketball in the late 80s and 90s? Michael Jordan. You know what Michael Jordan used to do? He used to bounce the basketball, and he used to drive to the net, and he used to do that with his tongue hanging out. And he'd come like this with the leg out, he'd have the hand over, and then boom, he'd slam dunk the ball. And you know what? It didn't take long to happen in towns all across America. Everybody's street balling, playing like MJ. They're driving to the net with their tongue hanging out. You got anything against Michael? No, I don't. I'm just saying they saw that man and they say, in their heart, I want to look like him. I want to be like him. I want to be successful in basketball like he is, and I'll do whatever it takes. I'll buy the sneakers. I'll buy the shorts. I'll get my tongue stretched out. I'll get all the, all, all the, all the body language done. And I'm going to be like Michael Jordan. Why don't Christians say that about Jesus Christ? He came as a humble servant. He loved people. He served people. He's the son of God. You put your faith and trust in him. Be like him. Live your life like you've got some fruit that was produced by God, not the devil. Yeah. And we can do something great for God. Here's the problem, though. Basketball players retire. And somebody else comes along. And they don't drive to the hoop with their tongue out. They do something else that's appealing. I'm not against sports. I like competition. I think it helps you in a lot of ways. It, it can build character. This is not a message against sports or against Michael Jordan. This is people look at that man and said, I want to be like Mike. When are you going to look into God's word and as a Christian say, I'm going to live my life and be like Jesus? Right. Well, I got something to do on Friday night. Well, change it. Well, I work too much. Well, give your job back to the devil. I got my kids in all these activities. Well, get rid of some. But they have to excel in life. At what expense do they have to excel in life? Not against activities. My kids do stuff. Your kids do stuff. I'm saying put it in perspective. Put it in perspective. All right, let's move on. Witchcraft. Witchcraft. I used people say, I've never been in, in, in witchcraft. Okay. Have you had a rebellious spirit? The Bible says, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. How about stubbornness? Because it goes on to say, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Wives, you ever been stubborn to the old man? Husbands, you ever been real stubborn and bitter to your to your sweet wife? Bible says that is as rebellion. And the Bible says 
That is idolatry. None of us have a Buddhist statue in our backyard. But we've got stuff in our heart that is just as much idolatry. And God says, don't do it. People say, bless God, I burned all my, I burned the, the Ouija board. I burned all the Harry Potter books. I burned all the Disney magic stuff. I got rid of it. I got, it's all gone. Bless God, I don't do witchcraft anymore and I'll preach against it. And they're quick to point out everybody else that has that stuff. Except in their heart, they've got rebellion and stubbornness. And God says, you are just as guilty as it comes out of the heart. And it's rebellion and idolatry. Don't hold on to it. Don't hold on to it. Idolatry and witchcraft are religious lusts that destroy relationships. And it will ruin your relationship or greatly hinder your relationship with the Lord. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. You say it's hard. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I've dealt with it. I'm thinking right now of some folks I've just poured time into, poured time into. And the next thing you know, they're off training at another academy. And you put, you, you put all your time into them. You train them. You sacrifice your body. And your body gets injured so you can help someone else become a champion. And then they're gone. You know how hard it is to not get bitter about that? I could have been home doing something with my wife. Bitterness hurts. God says it's idolatry. That's stubborn attitude. The only way I know to get rid of it is like we read in verse 16, to walk in the spirit. That's putting it as simple as I can put it. Walk in the spirit. Verse number 19. We see adultery. Adultery is violating the marriage bed. It violates the marriage covenant. Christians say, well, the world does that. Yet 45, almost 50% of Christians, evangelicals, so-called or claiming to be, have been involved in adultery. Evangelicals in this country is a joke. The whole term's a joke. The whole idea about it has been so, it's a joke. Almost 50%. Wow, what a testimony to the world. We need to get serious about not being controlled by these lusts before one of us becomes a statistic. Is there forgiveness? Yes. Have people done horrible things and gone on to do great things for the Lord? Yes, I'm for that. I recognize that. And look, we'll continue to recognize that. But in the meantime, let's not get ourselves into trouble so we have to backtrack and get the thing right. Let's stay out of the trouble. And the Bible says the next word, fornication. Ephesians 5 says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6 to flee fornication. Well, what's the difference between adultery and fornication? Some people say, well, if you're married, adultery, 
You're not married. It's fornication. Okay. But consider fornication is the act. You get involved with something you ought not get involved with. It's the act. Adultery is specifically the violation of that marriage covenant. And turn to Matthew 5. Not only is it the violation of the marriage covenant. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. The Bible says, but I say unto you, this is Jesus, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Where does adultery start? It starts in the heart. And you young fellas, you, all, the, all the men in this congregation, if you think that looking at something and looking away is the solution, you're partly right. But if you look away and you're still lusting in your heart, it's still there. You have to learn to hate the things that God hates. And you're going to get in a relationship when you grow up. You better make sure it's love and not lust. You better make sure it's not, well, I like what she looks like. Because if you just like what she looks like on the outside, you're probably going down the wrong path. You better like what she looks like on the outside and then like what she looks on the inside even more. Ladies, the same thing. He does push-ups. He looks good in a, in a, in a, in a, in a uh, you know, in his lumberjack clothes. Man, he's a real strong fella. Well, he ain't going to be strong for long. <laughs> Because a few burritos down the road and you stop doing the push-ups, look, you're not going to look. He is not going to look like you think he should look like all the time. You like, you like the burritos, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you. Ladies, pay attention. You grow up and a boy just gives you interest because of what you look like. And he doesn't like what you are inside, and what you believe and what you stand for. The best advice I have for you is run as far away as you can. Because all of this stuff comes from inward and it works its way outward. You better make sure the inward desires are a match. Here's one for everybody. You say, well, I'm a superstar. I've, I've, I've never been married. I've never fornicated. I've never lusted. And, and so I'm good. Well, praise God. Thank the Lord for it. But it's very, very hard. And you young people, listen up. It's very, very, very hard by what comes across on the airways, what comes across on the Hollywood, what comes across on the television, what comes across on all the billboards and the magazines. It's very, very, very hard and difficult. To not develop a lustful heart. It's hard. You better. You better be tapped into the Holy Spirit. You better be. You better, you better find good friends. 
a good church, and don't stop reading your Bible. And you'll have a better chance at it. But here's one. Look what it says. Uncleanness. Uncleanness. You have a mouth that's foul. You have thoughts that are dirty. Bible says you're unclean. Is your heart full of filthiness? The Bible says you are unclean. And it is in the same list as fornicators. And it's the same list as adulterers. I've never done any of that. And some of the young people are thinking, I don't even know what that is. I'm going to have to ask my mom and dad. Fine, go ahead. You know what unclean is. You got a dirty thought, a dirty mind, and a filthy heart. And God puts it right in the same list. And all that comes out of the heart. It's not tapped into God. Can I tell you the first Thessalonians 4 says, For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. It is a good thing to live holy. Because that's what God is. That's who God is. Then it says lasciviousness. That's loose behavior. That's public sensuality. People claim to be a Christian. Yet they walk around half naked. And this is going to be a church. Where we are going to hold the line. And you think I'm kidding. You just need to be careful going to the lake. What you look at. Going to the beach. What you look at. Don't even go into Walmart. What you look at. It's all over. College campus. It is all over. Who in the world convinced young girls to walk around in their underwear and have them think that it's outerwear? Go on tech campus. Go out in public. I hate to tell you, but we wear our underwear as underwear as Christians. We don't wear it as outerwear. We get covered up. We wear clothes because we've been redeemed. And we're sitting, we're in our right mind, and we're clothed. <laughs> we don't walk around and try to make ourselves some public display of sensuality. You stand out on Hell's Corner, that's the west side, and you're passing out gospel tracts on a Friday night, and you're holding a scripture sign. Why do the girls naturally go like this? Because they see the scriptures from God's holy word, and they know in their heart that what they're doing is wrong and is dirty. They want to cover themselves up until they get inside that bar where the lights are out. And nobody can see them and the doors are shut. Don't buy into this idea that the world loves you or cares about you. They hate you. They absolutely hate you. They hate the way you think. They hate that you're sitting in a church. They hate the way you dress. They hate the way you think. And they want you to live like them. It's a lasciviousness, loose lifestyle. And it should have no part in the Christian life. Lastly, we'll look at drunkenness and revelings. Revelings, that's partying or carousing. You're always out looking for a good time. Drunkenness, people. It's sad. You can't go you can't go one party without drinking. This is how addicted people are to this stuff. We're not going to get on holidays this morning, but I'm going to say this. Most of the way these holidays are designed, that's why they don't want Christ in Christmas. That's why it's X Mass. 
nothing with the word of Christ at all. And it's another opportunity to what? Drink with the boys. Drink with the girls. Drunkenness destroys marriages. Drunkenness destroys homes. Drunkenness destroys children. You young people, look, look at Brother Jimmy for a minute. Look at me. You don't know. You just don't know how good you have it. You just don't. Someday you will. You get to get up, mom and dad feed you, and get you to a church on Sunday. Just that right there. You just don't know how good you have. You know what some kids are waking up to today? Mom crying because dad came home late and smacked her around. You know what some sisters are witnessing? Why their brother is getting punched in the gut by dad. Because brother questioned father about why he's hitting mama. Okay. Drunkenness. Drunk men are horrible men. They're horrible people. Drunk women are horrible people. Can they be saved? Yes. But AA ain't going to do it. They need to be redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that is why we bring the gospel down to hell's corner. Because there's some drunk in that bar that will stop and listen. And we can give them the saving faith of Jesus Christ. That's why. Drunkenness will destroy relationships. It always has and it always will. I'm thinking of my friend right now. He's on his third marriage. He's happily married now. When he was married, his wife said to him when he came home drunk, she decided to put a bottle of vodka on the counter. And she waited up for him to come home. And when he finally came home, she was sitting there waiting for him at two or three in the morning, whenever he stumbled in drunk. And she said to him, you got a choice because I'm sick of this. It's either me or the bottle. That man grabbed that bottle of vodka and said, see you later. That's what liquor does to people. Can Jesus Christ change that man? You bet he can. If you're thinking of somebody right now that's a drunkard and you're thinking, well, what's going to happen? Get the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. That's what they need. That's what they need. The Bible says in Romans 13, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. Finally, in Galatians chapter five, we'll finish with this last verse and then we'll be done. And I promise you next Sunday will be a more uplifting and encouraging message because we'll be on the fruit of the spirit. But right now, unfortunately, or fortunately, so I think it's good for us to hear this. We're on the works of the flesh. But it'll get better next Sunday. So just stay with us. Galatians 5, verse 21, last verse. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. These such things is what we all went through. And it's what indulgence, self-indulgence looks like. And a child of God should not live that way. If you've committed any of these sins after you've been saved, this is not to say that you are not in Christ. 
The Corinthians were saved. They were coming to the Lord's table drunk. Paul had to tell the Ephesians, quit lying, quit stealing. Peter, he denies the Lord. Christians still sin. And this is kind of the point of what we've been looking at in Galatians. Our flesh isn't saved. And we are controlled by the power of the flesh to influence our mind to make decisions. We get in trouble with these sins. But on the other hand, if you think because you've skipped down an aisle and you've repeated a prayer and you took your rededication stick and you cast it into a bonfire at some youth rally. And you're still living your whole life completely and entirely after the devil. I got to ask you, are you really saved? Because by default, Christians produce fruit. Look at that next week. There's no fruit in your life, not one thing. I don't know anybody's heart as well as you do, but I would question whether or not they have been born again. There's a change in behavior. And when that change comes from the Holy Spirit controlling your life. There will naturally be a turning from sin after you have been born again. Do not try to get people to turn from all of their sins before they trust the Savior. They need to turn from sin. The fact that they're an, they're, they're an idol worshiper, the fact that they are a sinner and come to have a repentant turning from and turning toward. But don't try to get them to clean up their whole life before they trust God. After the Holy Spirit moves in, he's going to do some house cleaning. He definitely is. We see it all through the books of Acts. There's fruit that is produced. There's got to be some fruit. It might not be as much as you think, or it might not be as much as I think. It might not be as quick as you, but there's got to be something. Something, something. Again, we don't know somebody's heart. But if someone is continuing living after the lust of the flesh, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And it's saying because they're not saved. They don't even have the option to have their mind influenced by the Holy Spirit because it ain't in them. It's our job to bring that saving gospel to them. We as a believer have an option. Our options are being Led by the spirit or being led by our sinful, controlling, lustful flesh. Let's choose our minds to be influenced and led by the spirit. All right, let's bow and pray. Heavenly Father. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.